Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another rousing episode of the Globro Saints Show. Week 12 in the NFL season, and the Saints are victorious. 34 to 31 against the Carolina Panthers, bringing us to 9 and 2 in first place of the division with destiny in our fingertips. All cardiologists in the New Orleans metro area have been booked after that performance. James. Yeah, two, two comments on that. First, rousing. I love the adjective. Uh, way to step it up a notch uh, this late in the season. That was great. Um, and as far as the outcome, I would say, again, we'll take a win, but very, very fortunate. I think Christmas came really early for us. Um, came out strong. I loved the start, but man, we got lucky and almost kind of put it on a silver platter for us to take, but we still had to work for it. So again, we'll take it. I'm with you there. Now look, before we can move forward, uh, I feel we'd be remiss to not at least mention last week's episode. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, when you get blown out in a sporting contest, sometimes you have to just wake up the next day, bury the tape and move forward. And that's what we're going to do with last week's performance. Not our best. Technology became an impediment, and we're simply going to bury the tape, and we're moving on. Moving on, absolutely. Uh, now we bring it. That's right. That's right. James, you said about how we started. I completely agree. Getting that touchdown on the opening drive. Um, all year up to that point, we only had six points on our opening drive, tied for the fourth lowest in the entire NFL. Uh, also, 6.5% of our pass attempts go for 20-plus yards. Only 6.5%, which I know last week you mentioned potential decline in Breeze's arm, and I know that's going to pop up a couple times here today. That's why that stat does not really surprise me. That is the lowest in the NFL, only 6.5% of our pass attempts that go for 20-plus yards. Uh, however, I thought that opening drive was great. I, I thought it was really indicative of what this offense is capable of. Uh, some great blocking for Murray's big run, uh, it was drawn up very, very nicely, executed to perfection. Uh, it was the first offensive series that ended in a touchdown all season. Yeah, that that especially, I think you meant first drive. But, yeah, I mean, they, they played it, – it came almost too easy. I, I, I that, that drive ended in the touchdown, and I remember thinking to myself, this is going to be a blowout, and we're going to do this all day. It might be one of those breeze throws for six touchdown kind of games. Um, I was just thinking to myself, this is not the Carolina defense of old. Um, and and really, the whole first quarter was, was a, a complete domination. I mean, it was very similar to that first quarter. It might have been from the Tampa game where it was like 100 yards to six or something at the end of the first quarter. Um and then things kind of changed after that. But, yeah, that first drive was a great sign, um, and we need to keep that up. We need to we, we play much better ahead than we do behind, well, which I guess is pretty common for most teams. But um, especially at home, you want to get that crowd behind you and make it really difficult for the opposing offense to execute. No doubt. And, look, being the 16th matchup between Ron Rivera and Sean Payton, these teams know each other. Very, very well. Breeze knows that Carolina defense, same way Keekley uh, understands our offense. So it was a great chess game to watch on the field, uh, which was a byproduct of the, all the work put in throughout the week to create some game plans uh, that were going to be most effective. 
And we'll get into that, I know, especially on the defensive side of the ball as we look at how we tried to attack McCaffrey and defending him. Definitely some holes there. Uh, but as I was watching this game, as we normally do, we, we kind of take notes chronologically throughout. Um, I, had a, I had a crazy flashback on that punt that hit the Carolina player. I don't remember exactly who it was in the leg, but they didn't call it at first. That was on about the 26-yard line towards the Saints sideline. And I flashed back to NFC Championship game. It was a little bit closer to the end zone on the six-yard line, but again on that Saints sideline. Uh, and just thinking, all right, is this going to happen again? Are we not going to get that call that was so evident that we should have? But uh, in the end, obviously, we did end up getting that call. Yeah, that was that was a huge momentum. I mean, we already had the momentum from the initial score, and to get the ball back right there and go score again, um, you know, was 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 really key. Um, you could tell just the way the first quarter first couple of drives went uh the the amount of penalties that started flying and we'll talk about that in detail later but um you know even though we were scoring and even though we were ahead it still wasn't crisp I don't I don't know what's missing I don't know if it's a timing thing I don't know if it's Kamara not hitting on all cylinders maybe it's the offensive line continuity now with the, with Eaton in there um I don't know just something's just not quite right and 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 again very thankful to get the victory um, but after watching the other game late last night, um, this will not work against the better teams in the league like San Francisco. So uh, definitely go ask Aaron Rodgers about that. But, um, yeah, so for after first quarter, Saints fans feeling great. They postponed well, and, all cardiology appointments. They were feeling great. I never even – my blood pressure was less than normal. I was just chilling. Yeah. Well, and just to talk about that second score real quick, I thought it was a great play design. Breeze to Smith. Uh, it was a tight wing formation to the slight far side with Smith in the wing spot, which generally that wing spot's one and one off the tackle, one yard to the right, uh, or one yard off, one yard back. Uh, he was actually a little bit tighter than that, but we did a play action of Kamara, sucked up both the safety and the corner and allowed Smith to run uh, a delay corner after appearing to give a stock block to the safety. So it's just a well-drawn-up play, and the fact that we scored on that run on the first series, they had to respect that. Uh, so, again, I just thought when you go back to that chess game, I thought that was a great, great play call and, again, great design to get us that touchdown. Yeah, that was the astute observation there. Um, I didn't realize that that they had done some of those things. But, again, I, unfortunately, just to uh, to be transparent, I did not have the ability to pause or rewind, so I had to do everything on an initial take. So I definitely didn't watch the game as closely as I, I normally like to. Uh, so definitely leaning on Troy for his expert analysis. Uh, but I have plenty of opinions uh, from this <laughs> Irishman. I hear you. And look, that definitely wasn't a slight to you because I did have the ability to go back and just take a look and kind of see how everything was was drawn up. And we talked about the Saints score. Let's talk about Carolina's uh, first touchdown. You had uh, twins left. You had DJ Moore on the outside, Curtis Samuel in the slot. Samuel runs a delayed drag, almost a seam at the beginning, straight at Marcus Williams to hold him, while DJ Moore beats P.J. Williams straight up and a go for six. Uh, and Davenport got lucky on that particular play that he didn't get called for hands to the face uh, on Allen. Seemed like we got called for everything else, uh, but surprised we didn't get anything tacked on there. Uh, but that was more of just a one-on-one -on -one that uh, P.J. Williams got beat on. And again, what you got to remember with uh, Marshawn Lattimore out, everybody's playing up. So now Eli Apple normally playing their number twos, playing the one, and then you've got P.J. Williams playing the two and so forth. So that's kind of that domino effect that's felt by the defense when you top corners on the shelf. 
So I, I didn't get to see it again that closely. So are you saying that um, the guy that ran the under route, did he really hold Lattim, uh not Lattimore, but Williams, and that's why Williams was late making it over? Correct. Correct. Yeah. He, so he had to he had to respect the route that was coming up to him, uh, which allowed basically a one on one where PJ just didn't have that help over the top because of that other route. Yeah, that was a great play design by them. And uh, I tell you what, I mean, even though they lost the game, and really because of two extra point misses and a field goal miss, uh, Kyle Allen's the real thing, man. And and we talked about this a little bit. I think off the the podcast uh, last week, but I think I'd almost rather play today's Cam Newton than Kyle Allen. Maybe not Cam Newton from four or five years ago, but man, that guy can throw the rock. Um, and, and with McCaffrey, if if they just get a few things going, uh, that's a dangerous team. And I, I would really hope that we can have the first or second seed locked up going into that last game of the year at Carolina, because that's that's not going to be an easy one to take home. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I did the same thing. I mean, look, obviously this is a Saints podcast, but I came away from this game with the same uh, conclusion you did with Kyle Allen. And I, I'm not going to say one game determines everything. I knew he threw, I know he threw four picks uh, not too long ago here, but, you know, he, he's getting his exposure. He's getting his playing time. So I'm not even really talking about stats, although he, he held his home against Drew Brees, which not every quarterback can say, but just some of the decisions he made, uh, some of his awareness in the pocket, feeling the pressure – you know, he, he made a, a lot of decisions that kind of far outweighed his experience up to this point. Uh, so by no means am I, you know, saying he's the next coming of anybody, but I came away from this game impressed. Not having too large of a discrepancy between Breeze's isolated performance in this game and Kyle Allen's. No, that's a great point. I think in addition to that, too, I mean, he's not, you know, uh, Lamar Jackson or anything, but he had some really impressive scrambles as well. Uh, so he's he's pretty light on, on his feet. Um, again, not a speedster. I'm not sure what his 40 time was. But, uh, you know, he was really impressive. And I had a friend of mine send me um, an email or actually a text the other uh, yesterday during the game. And I didn't realize this or maybe I forgot about it. But, um, you know, to think that Texas A&M had Kyler Murray, Kyle Allen, and another uh, – top-notch guy, I think uh, Trevor Knight, who later went to OU and started there. And, well, Menzel before that, yeah. But can can you imagine, you know, all three of them are, are, well, not so much Trevor Knight, but for Colin Murray, too, and and, and the Aggies couldn't hold on to either one of them? I mean, come on, guys. But, uh, yeah, needless to say, I think he's going to be in the NFC South for years to come. It'll be really interesting what – Carolina does with Cam Newton in the offseason, if anything, or trade or, or what? No, good point. It's curious to see where he may end up. I think he definitely still has a lot of football left in him. Now, whether that's in Carolina or not remains to be seen. Um, kind of moving on in the game, uh, we'll get to this more at the end, but Jared Cook really having his his uh, evolution kind of right before our eyes as he gets more comfortable and confident in this offense, whether that is uh, – attributed to his injury earlier in the year, kind of stunning his development, and then Breeze being out, stunning his development a little bit more with that rapport with Breeze. But it certainly seems like everything's coming together at this point. I loved his catch over the middle where Eric Reed comes up, think he's going to lay the wood, and ends up getting some splinters himself because Cook just lowers that shoulder and runs right through him. Love that kind of physicality. You've got the frame. You've got the body. Use it, and that's going to rejuvenate everybody on your team, get everybody excited, 
and hopefully carry that momentum through uh, throughout the game. And so I was just really excited to see that and really excited to see him ascend into that spot that we all felt he could get to uh, in the offseason. But now it seems he's, he's gotten enough time together under his belt with Breeze, with the rest of that offense, to really make it all come together. Yeah, I thought it was it was telling that Breeze went to him in some big spots, a few big third downs. Uh, he had that one ball that he threw pretty high, and he could go up and get it. So not only show physicality, but being able to go up and go, go get the ball. Um, you know, almost had the 100 yards, had the 99, but recall he did have a 40-plus yarder call back for an offensive push-off. That was pretty weak. Um, glad he got the touchdown. Um, I think one of the reasons it, things just didn't go well right out the shoot, if you recall, granted, it was right before the injury to Breeze, but Breeze opens the game against the Rams, throws a, a beautiful pass. Cook kind of catches it, gets hit, and, and the ball goes up in air and basically gets intercepted. Um, I, and, you know, it probably just left a bad taste in Breeze's mouth. Then he gets hurt. There's no camaraderie. You know, he's, uh, Bridgewater's got to try to get used to him. But I, I think the national audience is starting to see that he's now a legitimate third weapon on this offense. So uh, I think that's huge. I still think we need that additional wide receiver to step up. And maybe Kirkwood gets activated this week. I'm not sure. Do you have any insight into who that uh, receiver should be that we could possibly get? or? Yeah, I think his name is Bez Diet, maybe, uh, just to, to, to switch it up a little bit. But uh, I, I don't know. Maybe 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 Dez's video was mocked up, and, and they broke it down and saw that he was running as fast as I can, and that's why he's not getting signed. But just saying – just so. I tell you what was pretty telling in the first quarter, talking about getting uh, getting off to a good start. Nine of the 19 plays in the first quarter went for first downs. Uh, just, you know, very, very impressive there. And uh, that stat kind of goes in, you know, hand in hand with the following that we, we still do not have any 50 plus yard plays this season. So although you say nine of 19 plays going for first downs, obviously that's great. But that's more of the Dinkin and Duncan and, and just getting, you know, some small yardage here and there to extend that drive. Which, look, the result of the drive is all I care about, unless we're at the end of the game and we really need to utilize time of possession on our favor. But um, one of those first downs, uh, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't a first down. Might have, might have set up a, a, a first down conversion was the Josh Hill tight end screen. Uh, it went it went for about eight yards. I got nervous thinking we would go back to it a couple times. Um, but a quick note, being that I did have DVR and I was able to pause, looking at Peyton's offensive play call sheet, there are 12 screens on that play call sheet. And I believe 10, oh, for Josh Hill? I believe 10 are designated for Josh Hill. Jeez. Yeah, that, that one, that one was, was pretty good. Uh, I would have liked to have seen it run to Taysom Hill instead. Um, but uh, yeah, he came through, he came through, he did all right. Um, it was interesting. They, they, I, I don't even remember the guy's name. I guess he could be a dad who uh, candidate a week, but our new fullback that we called up uh band or something. Um, Van Wilder, I don't, I don't know what his name was, but uh, he actually he went had back a great, to school. Yeah, he had a great block on that first touchdown, uh, so that was pretty nice to see. But um, I don't even know if he played very much after that. But well, uh, and you talk about you talk about Breeze to Cook, and the first uh, first two incompletions Breeze had were in the end zone of Jared Cook. He could have had two more touchdowns on that first one if Breeze throws it a little bit earlier or even a little more on the outside. I think it's a touchdown, but, yeah. uh, you know, pretty, pretty telling again, goes to what you were saying about looking for cook in certain situations that the first two incompletions were too cooked in the end zone. Yeah. And now I think, you know, 
going back to your earlier line about progressing through the game, as dominant as we were in the first quarter was about as bad as we were in the second quarter. Um, you know, total reversal of fortune. I don't know. You know, obviously, I think the big thing everybody points to is the Cam Jordan, um, you know, excessive, you know, trying to punch the ball loose but gets an, an unsportsmanlike conduct. Uh, you know, I think after that sack, it would have been fourth and like 17 or something and basically give them a first down. And, and they did what, what a good team does. You know what? You make a mistake, we're going to make you pay. And they drove all the way down the field, scored a touchdown. I felt like that was a, a huge swing of momentum. Um, we had them pinned back, probably would have got great field position, and, and the offense was rolling. Um, you know, I, I think that hurt. And then, you know, penalties. That's when they first started really coming on in the second quarter. And to have 12 penalties for 123 yards, not including five that were declined or offsetting. So 17 penalties. Are you kidding me? That's like, um, I think we ran maybe 60 plays or so. I mean, that's between a fourth and a third of every single play you're getting a flag. I mean, that's unacceptable. I don't know what, what we're doing or if it's a coaching thing or if the refs, quote unquote, really headed out for us or what. Or maybe the opposing teams or making calls ahead of time saying, hey, they hold a lot, or check this, or whatever. But that that that's terrible. I mean, that's point-blank terrible. Well, that's a great point to bring up those that were declined, because I had here on my uh, on my notes, you know, the 12 penalties compared to Carolina's three, but you bring in those that were declined, and, and you're absolutely right. How many lost points are there on the board, uh, or, or, or not on the board due to those penalties? And uh, before Cam Jordan's, uh, you know, I – I don't want to call it a mistake. I mean, I think in that moment you got to play the odds there, but uh, I do appreciate the aggressiveness. Dennis Allen is, is trying to get our guys to create turnovers when somebody else is wrapped up, but you, you got to be a little smarter there, recognizing it's the quarterback, recognizing down on distance and all that. But uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that the motor's running and he's trying to, he's trying to make a play. But prior to that, when we had our fourth and inches, it would have been converted if Omame didn't tackle his defender uh, they called it a holding penalty. It could have been an offensive tackling penalty. Yeah, uh, he totally tore him up. I mean, he just he just wrecked him. But, um, you know, having said that, I also have to say that on that left side of that line where two of our guys are backups, you know, I was pleasantly surprised with uh, – I mean, I don't have the numbers here, but it sure seemed like a lot of our big runs came on that left side of the field, which – I don't know uh, if that's more reflective of defense anticipating it going to the strength of our line, the more experienced side, and, and kind of being caught offhand on that backside or what. But, um, you know, for two backups on the other side, from that holding penalty aside, I thought they played pretty well. No, they did. They did. And uh, come to find out, I mean, everybody saw in the paper this morning or whatever that it's a high ankle sprain, which for a running back, that's a six-week injury, potentially four to six. For an offensive lineman, I mean, obviously you need stability. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, he's not going to play this week, but, man, we could really use him for, for the 49ers game. Um, but going back to that second quarter, um, I thought overall we did a great job of containing McCaffrey on the ground game. But um, the swing passes, the choice routes, I'm not sure what Dennis Allen was thinking there. Uh, several times he came out of the backfield with nobody gardening. Uh, how, how does that happen when they really have no other weapons? I mean, they have an aging uh, Greg Olson, and they have a couple of young speedy receivers, but, oh, my gosh, that was so frustrating. Well, it was, and, and that was an opportunity I had to kind of go back and watch it again. 
on the first initial touchdown that was called back that he was short. Curtis Samuel goes in motion. Eli Apple follows, telling Allen that it's man coverage. Olsen's the tight end on that side, on the near side. He runs a seam to push the D back. McCaffrey slips out into the flat, makes two guys miss, and initially, as it appears, gets the touchdown. Realized it's short. It's down on the half-yard line. So what does Carolina do? Essentially, same formation where they play action to the fullback. Mario Davis goes after Allen instead of spying or, or keeping outside leverage on McCaffrey. Uh, pass in the flat, same play. Uh, Dixon was the tight end at that point. He moves to the opposite side of the formation, takes Williams with him, and same same result. Same result. And, and that part that part bothers me a little bit. Look, defenses are going to get beat. I mean, that's the whole point of it. But to get beat on essentially the same play, movement to the opposite side to determine if we're man or, or coverage, uh, and then slipping out into the flat with some kind of decoy, whether it's play action or whether it's a seam or a corner or whatever to kind of get that deep push back. I don't understand how you fall for it two plays in a row. If they hold it and wait till the fourth to bring it back out, you know, I, I can understand that a little bit more. But when McCaffrey is, I'm not going to say the lone uh, star on that team that can make some thing happen, but uh, outside of Olsen, that DJ Moore had a big game. So obviously you can't under undervalue that, but, you know, in that moment, he's the guy that you, you really need to spy. And to not have someone spy him on two straight plays inside the five, um, it's just it's confusing to me. Yeah, it, confusing, uh, uncalled for, unforgivable. I mean, there's, there's a, a couple of different words you can choose there. Um, but lo and behold, you know, they come back, they score a few. We hold them on the two-point conversion. Uh, they missed the extra point in the first touchdown. So now you're looking at a 17-15 halftime where it was a tale of two quarters. Um, still felt confident at, at that moment that the defense would step up and that Breeze would continue to drive us down the field. Um, and that took us into halftime. So what were your thoughts going in at halftime? How did you feel about it? Uh, exactly what you just mentioned. You know, which which quarter did you did you watch? If you watch the first quarter, you're feeling pretty pretty confident that you're going to be able to accomplish what you set out to do. If you watch that second quarter, you're a little bit more apprehensive about the ebbs and flows of the game and how it's going to go and who's going to control the momentum. But I, I tell you what shocked me the most. I know he wasn't really utilized first half. Alvin Kamara had seven yards in the first half. Seven. That, that, yeah, I think that just blew me away. That was only on, was it four touches or five touches? I don't remember. It was very few. Because it wasn't, they, it wasn't many, and I don't know. You know, obviously he, he was a little more utilized second half, but there's just something that's still a little bit different. I don't know if he's still progressing from his injury uh, or what. Uh, I just I don't I don't see the same player out there necessarily now. An 85, 90 percent Kamara is still better than most, but I, I don't see that difference that he had uh, first couple weeks of the season. And, and you know, tell tell me if I'm seeing something different. But I just uh, it seems that there's something missing. Yeah, he's still he's still elusive. Uh, they did go go to the sideline reporter coming out of halftime and said she talked to Sean Payton about exactly what you just said, just a handful of yards and a handful of touches. And he said, we'll we'll get that corrected. Um, you know, prior to this game, I was watching some highlights of previous Carolina games. And I'm sure many of you recall that uh, that play on the goal line a few years back where he got the ball coming, uh, I think he was in motion and got the, the, the ball coming across and pretty much got, you know, was within a yard or two of the end zone and there was going to be a major collision. And he got rocked 
but still had the balance to, to fall forward and get into the end zone, that Kamara is not where we are right now. And, and I don't know, to, to Troy's point, if he's just a little – timid's the wrong word because he's not a timid person, but I think he, he wants to get back to 100% so badly that he's, he's trying to uh, maybe shy away from a little contact here or there where not necessary – um, he doesn't seem like he has a spark. He's not smiling as much. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, it's interesting. I wonder if we could, if, if we could get into his head or if he would, you know, be up front and honest about it. I wonder if it, there's anything to that. Yeah. You know, and, and hopefully look, you're nine and two. So, I mean, everything's still kind of going well, but if, if the boat starts rocking, you know, what, what possibly could manifest from that, you know, who knows, but instead of worrying about the hypotheticals, let's get back to the game going into the third quarter. Uh, James, you made the point last week that Breeze's arm uh, certainly has gotten weaker, and there's some throws that he hasn't been able to make here recently. One of them came early in the third quarter, uh, a badly underthrown ball to Ted Ginn along the sideline, Saints sideline, but I'm actually thankful it didn't reach him because he possibly could have gotten decapitated with how close the safety was and how quickly he was coming in to break that play up. Ball hit the ground five yards in front of him. Yeah, and, and prior to that, um, you know, Breeze was pretty much on target. He was throwing tight spirals. Um, you know, everything looked good. That play, you know, you're just like, well, maybe he saw it and realized at the end, you know, don't don't get it to him. Just kind of throw it away. But it really wasn't a throwaway. So I definitely agree with you there. I think one thing to point out coming out in the third quarter was all the momentum that Carolina had going in. I thought it was huge that we got a three and out. Um, after kicking to Carolina. I thought that that was a good sign of things to come. Absolutely. And they put up a statistic that Breeze's completion percentage has gotten better these last few years. It's gotten better each year that, uh, you know, that he is, he has kind of progressed. Um, the older he's gotten, the more, the more uh, high the completion percentage has been. Cautious, because um, he's more cautious. Correct. Sure. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was going to get to. There is some declining arm strength there. In the Saints playbook, there are many short passes that Sean Payton considers runs, so he would rather get that three-yard completion, whether it's a quick, whether it's a hitch, whatever the case may be. So the completion percentage uh, should go up. Now you still have to be a talented quarterback to make the right reads and get the ball in the right spot. So at the same time that we're saying his, his arm is weakening, uh, he still drew Breeze, which means he's able to navigate through that uh, deficiency a little bit better than most quarterbacks uh, his age, for sure. Uh, I thought he threw a very nice pass to Jared Cook over Eric Reed on an inside wheel route. Uh, it wasn't stretched far to the sideline, but quick enough to where he was able to dump it over the top. Um, looking at Carolina's possession, Marcus Williams had a horrible angle trying to catch McCaffrey on a swing route. Uh, the third one from the, the very last possession of the first half and then the first, you know, first possession of the second or maybe second possession of the second half. Just a bad angle there, which allowed McCaffrey to get another eight, nine yards. Um, and then going back to the, the pass you mentioned earlier was Jared Cook over the middle jumping up and catching that ball that, you know, if he doesn't if he doesn't make a clean catch there, possibly gets picked off from the safety. I don't know if it just floated from Breeze a little bit, but Cook 6'5". When he jumps up and he puts those arms up, you know, he, we're looking at nine, ten feet possibly of a, of a catch radius there. Uh, great game, went up, got it at the highest point, and wasn't going to be denied. I loved seeing that from Cook. Yeah, that was that was a huge play. Uh, you know, going back to Breeze, 20 yards and in, 
I would put him up against anybody from from uh, in terms of just accuracy, putting the ball exactly where you want it, front shoulder, back shoulder, you know, down low, up high, you know, phenomenal. And he's still got it. There's no doubt about that. Um, you go beyond 20, 25, 30, um, you know, he proved later, and we'll get to this, that, that he could still throw a, a decent deep ball, but it's not going to happen every time. Uh, you know, he, he needs to put everything into it, whether it's his hips, his, his uh, you know, lead foot, all of that stuff to get every ounce of, of strength he can get from, you know, in, into his throws. Uh, you know, I, I thought with Cook, um, you know, what a weapon. I mean, it's almost like, almost, well, it, it could potentially be better than, than Jimmy Graham. Granted, he's older. He doesn't have the, the, the basketball sense, that kind of thing that, that Graham had. But I don't think anybody would, would disagree with me in saying that Cook's tougher. I mean, he's not just falling down to, to his knees every time he catches the ball. Um, so I, I, I You're like talking him. about yak. I'm talking about some yak. Yakety yak. Don't talk back because that dude is willing to, to eke out a couple extra yards. And, and Graham was probably faster. But uh, I, I like where, where we're going with that. No doubt. Going towards the end of the third quarter, a great ball by Drew over the cornerback to Thomas on that slant at the end of the uh, at the end of the field in the end zone to the back of the end zone, and uh, I, I watched that play again just to see kind of how the setup was. And again, I'm gonna give credit to Sean Payton here. Ted Ginn motioned across the backfield to the opposite side of the formation, and then upon the the hike, actually came back and ran a swing route opposite side having to get the attention of the defense and take somebody and take the attention away to kind of isolate Thomas on that far side for the slant over and, and getting it over that linebacker. And then in front of that cornerback, that's the precision you're talking about when you talk about Drew Brees and what he's able to do 20 yards and in. Um, and then we go right into the fourth quarter, a phenomenal pass. James talked to you before we started this podcast. You said possibly one of Brees's best passes in the last four or five years dropped right in the breadbasket for Ted Ginn, and he could not hold on to it. It was a third down play, about a 35-yard pass, maybe more. Uh, just beautiful placement. You got to make that catch. Yeah, I mean, the defender got his hand in there a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, he, he had the ability strength-wise to get both hands on it. And let's just both say what it is. Michael Thomas isn't dropping that pass. No shot, no way. Uh, and you were talking about Breeze earlier. Uh, that's what I wanted to mention. I think another reason why his completion percentage is up so high is because Michael Thomas comes down with 85% of the balls thrown his way, which by far is is the highest in the league. And I think last year when he, he, he uh, hit 85%, I think that was the most in 20 or 30 years. And he's just a tinge under 85% this year. I think he's at about 83%. So... I think that has a direct correlation on why his, his uh, completion percentage is so high. But, yeah, going back to that pass, after that pass, I wanted to almost take back everything I said last week and said, man, he that pass was perfect. I mean, it was absolutely perfect in stride over the, rece- uh, the, the defender, hitting him in both hands, and yet a guy got a little piece of it at the end. But, oh, man, you got to have some strong hands. He needs to go catch some bricks with Jerry Rice or something and, and toughen him up. Nice reference. Nice reference. Um, okay, following that up, you make that beautiful pass again that he should catch, and you follow that up with a underthrown pass again that should have been 
a touchdown. Underthrown badly. When I went back and watched it, uh, Breeze short arm to that throw. And Jimmy, once I, I kind of just introduced this, I'd really like you to expand upon it. Um, when, when QB kind of feels some pressure, sometimes they don't want to fully extend that throwing arm as they're trying to put that ball back to generate the velocity to move forward. So they may short arm it where the elbow doesn't extend, but instead they just move that shoulder back and then throw it. He did do that, but he had a pocket around him. He didn't have anybody collapsing where he would have to do that to try and eliminate the potential for a, a strip fumble or even a deflection on the ball. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know why. It was just an odd throw. He had the time, he had the space, and and he, uh, like I said, he just kind of short-armed it. But if you can go into a little more detail on that, James, uh, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, so I think either A, he sensed maybe somebody coming from behind and, and might deflect it or knock it out of his hands. But like you said, nobody was there. Um, but a lot of times, depending on your skills and abilities as a quarterback, you you can throw a ball with almost the same velocity or almost the same distance with different styles. And so when when, when Troy's mentioned a short arm, you think of more of a Dan Marino release. Marino had a freaking cannon, but he didn't have a long delivery. He was quick, and it was just coming out almost like when you, you hear the term short swing in baseball, where you're getting through the zone very quick, or you can have a real long swing that you use in maybe softball or something like that. Um, so Breeze, when he, when he, he doesn't have a ton of arm strength, pure arm strength, so he, he really relies on, on the full body there. And if he short arms something, he's not going to get enough on it. Now, if he was Marino or somebody like that, or even like a, a Pat Mahomes or something, um, well, you could just flick it, you know, of the wrist and throw it 60 yards. That's a different story. But, um, you know, your Randall Cunninghams and some of those kind of quarterbacks had big arms, but they had to really wind up and let it loose. Whereas uh, somebody like Marino had a very short delivery. And, and if you recall, that was a lot of talk about Tebow when he came out was that he had such a long delivery that it would take forever to get the ball out. Um, so hopefully that, that adds a little perspective to uh, short arming it, so to speak. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, okay. Look, we got to pay me the big bucks, man. That's, that's right. That's right. And now I'm at the cash register making the big bucks. Then I'll do fries. Okay, anyway, moving on. Coming out this December or next December, James, when is Coming to America 2 coming out? Uh, December 20th, 2020-ish. All right, uh, that 2020-ish got me a little bit, but you, you'll hear it first when it, uh, when it has its release date and it's, it's official and it's coming because it's a great movie yeah. all right uh listen we got about 10 minutes left uh and and we still kind of have some of the fourth quarter left so we'll go through this pretty quickly we still have to hand out our awards at the end so i'm going to go pretty quickly through this uh james chime in wherever you feel necessary breeze has that interception as he's throwing to traquan smith in essence triple covered uh but i don't i don't like the design of the play michael thomas was six yards behind traquan smith and about one yard outside of him so he's keeping all those defenders within that same area when that ball goes up it's much easier to come in, converge, and try and make a play on the ball. So I don't understand what happened there. If maybe that route is supposed to be thrown a little bit earlier, Breeze held on to it, so they ended up in the same area. Uh, but that's a short field for Carolina. Get it on the 50, and uh, and they went in and, and you know made something happen there. Uh, Marcus Williams had that pass interference call. I feel if he just turns around at that point, you know we don't even have to worry about that. Von Bell actually had good position and good athleticism to hold on to that deflection and keep two feet in if it were to count. Uh, but, you know, as we know, it did not. Um, looking at uh, Breeze, even on, the, on that interception and a couple other throws, I mean, he, he was staring down some of those receivers. I don't know if it was just his first read or not. 
but Keekley almost had a pick on Traquan Smith a little bit, uh, a little bit into the fourth quarter. Uh, I'd love the fact that Peyton really utilized Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, pairing them on the same side of the field. I really think that that forced the defense to have to roll coverage to that side and possibly open some things up backside for uh, Traquan, for Jared Cook. Um, looking at, oh, this this was a play I kind of had a, now, as I'm giving Peyton credit for a few play calls, I didn't like this one. And Jimmy, I'm going to let you take that fourth and one because I know you have some strong feelings on that. But if you remember this particular play, it's trips right. And I, what I call it is a quick route to, to Taysom Hill where Breeze catches it, Hill takes a step back, catches it and tries to make some make it make a play out of it. The interior receivers blocked straight up, which means the open man was the man on Taysom Hill. And he just went right in and made the tackle. Uh, I've used that same play in my coaching, but I had those two interior receivers block over, leaving the inside defender, the most inside defender open, and giving my guy a little bit more time and space to try and make a miss. So I, I did not – I don't mind the call. I didn't like the execution there, leaving the open man on the outside right in front of Taysom. No, that's a good point. And, and the one Troy's alluding to was the fourth down. Uh, it was like fourth and one. It was a huge time in the game. And we lined up, and we got Malcolm Brown, yes, defensive tackle, Malcolm Brown at fullback, and I'm pumped because I'm like, this dude's going to blow somebody up. Then we get cold feet. We call timeout. We put in Kamara at six or seven yards deep with no fullback. Granted, Zach Lines hurt, but we got Vander, whatever his name is. Um, no disrespect, no disrespect. And I just hated that call. I mean, Murray has been playing much I don't want to say much better, but Murray's a better short yardage back at this point in time. He's huge. He's a huge running back. And just putting him that far back with, with, with the uh, Panthers being that pumped up and having everybody in the box, they should have either called another timeout or, you know, had a, a kill kill and call an audible. But that was a, another horrible call that I know Peyton would love to take back. Tell you what else I didn't like about that play call either. Not only, like you said, Kamara's the single setback straight up, but it was a tight formation. Tight formation with two receivers on each side, one and one off the tackle. If you're going to run that play, spread out the defense. Kick those receivers outside and open up the middle a little bit. So I didn't like that either. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because they had, I think they had 10 in a box. I really, I mean, it was ridiculous. They had people everywhere. Um, but what, but anyway, what that does. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, we definitely have to move along because I know people are just thirsting and hungry, hangry for some beignets and some other things we got, we got going on. So if you want to go first, Troy. Yeah, well, I'm going to wrap up the rest of this game real quick. But So that turnover gives you gives Carolina another short field, 43-yard line. Uh, you know, I, I'm not even really going to entertain the pass interference. you got to be consistent. You've got to be consistent. I don't care. However you're going to decide to call it, call it that way for both teams. However, first and goal from the three. Um, huge momentum swing. Davenport gets the sack right when we needed it. Um, and then even on the kick, what a hurdle by Davenport. Pretty impressive that he was able to clear the center. There may or may not have been some hands holding that center down, which I'm glad they didn't call, but still impressive nonetheless, a guy his size to be able to make that jump. Um, but as everybody knows, look, when you need a play, who did we turn to? Michael Thomas on the sluggo route, getting us in position for Will Lutz to convert. Uh, and make that field goal to give us the victory. So let's get into our beignets. James on offense, I'm going four out of five. Okay, I'm going four out of five. Um, and I'm going to say 
theoretically, we could have had four more touchdowns on the board, two to Cook and two to Ginn. However, we had 418 yards total offense, 7.1 yards per play, no fumbles. We did have the one pick, 40% on third down. Uh, terrible fourth down play call uh, in the second half. So that's why I'm not giving him five. Thought we left some points on the board, but we still did enough to get it done. And because of that, I'm going 3.5. I know you don't like the halvesies, but the pick, the lack of fourth down conversions, um, can't, can't go much higher than that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Defense, I'm going to go three out of five. I'm going to go three out of five. I'm, I'm a, Josh Allen played a hell of a game. Hell of a game. Uh, I wish we could have had more pressure up front uh, defensively, and I didn't think we had a great game plan for McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey what, what is his name? McCaffrey? Whatever his name is. Uh, but we had two huge stops at the end of that game on short fields to, uh, to make it a ball game. So I'm giving him three out of five. Yeah, I went three as well, and and I'm I think you meant Kyle and not Josh. I don't think we played the Bills, but that's all right. Oh, um, nice call, nice call. Had to catch you, had to catch you. Um, usually that's my fault. CTE, it's usually my B, my B. Um, but no, three too too much. I mean, we didn't get off the field. Uh, they made a couple of fourth down conversions. Um, we had boneheaded penalties in certain instances. Um, so yeah, three three's all I get. All right, and special teams, I was probably going to go three out of five just because I felt it was a pretty pretty average performance all the way around. But, look, clutch kick at the end, Will Lutz, game-winning field goal. I bumped him up, four out of five for me. Yeah, four out of five for me too. And uh, granted, I would have really loved for him to split the uprights and not just curve it around the, the, the right upright. But, uh, man, that, that was a little bit of a uh, – a blip on the, the radar there for for the heart. Uh, now, we do have a guest contribution here. My buddy Dwayne. Have I ever told you about my buddy Dwayne? Uh, he, uh, principal Dwayne. That's right. That's right. Buddy Dwayne. Uh, he wants to give one beignet to the reps. Not because they deserve the pillowy goodness that is a beignet, but because he hopes that they choke on its deliciousness. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Buddy Dwayne, one beignet to the reps. Guest contribution there. I like um, that. Put a, put a lot of extra potted sugar, no drink, no water, and I think it'll do the job. That's right. All right. How about our who that? Who is that? James, mine is one that you've mentioned here for the last few weeks. Sheldon Rankins. Who that? Mine took it away from me. There not, even, not even on the stat sheet. He was a first-round pick from 2016, pick number 12. You need production from that pick. I don't know what the deal is. And while we've given him the fifth-year extension, I think if he doesn't really stop it up these next couple of weeks, he may be gurn pecan. That pecan or pecan? That's pecan. Pecan. All right. Put the earl in the in the kern uh, over in the zinc by the by the, by the frigidaire. That's right. All right. Hey. What about your dad's who? Look, it would be so easy for me to go Michael Thomas here. So easy and very deservedly so. But my dad's who? I want more cooking in the kitchen. Jared Cook, six receptions on eight targets, 99 yards, and a touchdown. He could have had two more playing very, very well, peaking at the right time, and I hope he continues this momentum throughout the rest of the season. That was my choice as well. We, we, we're not very uh, creative there, but I think it was pretty obvious on both of those. Um, but I'm going to give a consolation, Dad, who, to the quad 
of Mario Edwards Jr., Demario Davis, Marcus Davenport, and Onyemata on the four sacks. None from the, the big names like Cam Jordan, but for Edwards to show up, because I don't think he's really made too many big plays all year, Onyemata to have a big play, and then Davenport, who we've been waiting for forever. So, man, if we can get those three guys going a little bit, um, you know, that'll really help help the cause. All right, before we sign off here, James, that missed field goal, do you recognize what that was? I'm going to give uh, you a hint. It was the Malcolm Jenkins momentum swing play of the game. Ladies and gentlemen, it. look, we are running out of time. I have a ton of facts and, and stats for you. We'll put that on our Facebook play page. Please follow us there to get that. But look, we're in control of our destiny. Thanksgiving Boom. game. <laughs>